UMass ends up tying Lowell one to one in the chill the bill game. They lost the extra point in the shootout. There's a lot to talk about from this game's refs. What are you doing? Everybody and welcome to episode 56 of High Character. UMass just had their chill the bill game. It ended up in a tie with UMass Lowell and Lowell took the extra Hockey East point in the shootout. There's a lot to talk about from this game, so we're just going to get right into it. My name is Cameron and I am joined by my good pal Evan. Evan, how you feeling, man? I'm angry. There's no other way around it. I'm getting straight to the point. I'm pissed off. That, like, Carvel prides his program on always saying you get what you deserve what happened last night we did not get what we deserve there that was the most blatant display of referee interference I have ever seen in a game in my seven plus years of watching UMass hockey unbelievable stuff we're gonna get into the details but yeah in short I'm mad that was a ridiculous game to watch yeah, it's, it's hard to really skirt around it with this one. We, in our post-game graphic of the score, said it was the worst officiating we've seen in a game in our entire lives. And Evan and I have gone to well over 100 hockey games. So, um, I mean, the stats say how it is. It was six penalties to one um, in favor of UMass getting those penalties. Coach Carville said after the game that uh, he thought it was really close. The shots were close. The score obviously was close. So why weren't the penalties called in a close way like that? We saw a lot of uh, similar things happen on both ends, but it just seemed like UMass Lowell got a penalty called in their favor at, at every possible point, even when it, it looked like something completely clean. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of detail all of those as we go through, but just, yeah, like you said, a, a pretty blatant uh, scenario of interference from the refs. It was tough. It was tough to watch, especially in that third yeah, and I mean, I think the, the the really telling part about it all is the fact that at least in, you know, I usually check over all like the post-game media stuff after the games and everything. Carvel never discusses penalties and the referees usually. He, he tends to say, you know, the refs do a good job. You know, they, they don't really insert themselves in the game too much. But when I saw his post-game kind of comments after the game, like he, he was, that was one of the first things that he mentioned. You know what I mean? Like, that's how you know how bad that was. You know what I mean? Like for a very, I wouldn't say mild manner because we, we've heard, you know, Carvey on the bench, you know, he, he can get into it. He can get upset. But when it comes to his post-game comments, he's a fairly reserved, you know, he kind of keeps it very objective and to the point. This, you know, when, when he mentions the, the, the officiating almost, you know, right off the bat, that, that's how you know that just they completely screwed us over this game. And like you said, the stats don't lie. And we're going to talk about, I guess, you know, some of the really, really bad ones because obviously we can't show video on a podcast, but I think we, we remember the bad points well enough to where we can adequately describe them and show you guys just how ridiculous this game was in, in terms of the referee. Yeah, and we don't like to make this a, a topic of our podcast too much. If there's some blatant things during games, we'll point it out, but we never mm-hmm. will say that that led to the loss or, or anything like that. This time it needs to be talked about. It was just yep. that that drastic and had that much of a role in this game. I mean, UMass uh, in the third period had no opportunity to get any momentum whatsoever with these calls. 
And at the same time, they have one of the best power plays in the country and they're not able to get uh, return calls in that way. So uh, just really affected the game. We'll, we'll start to go through it. So in the first period, uh, UMass came out pretty strong. I thought they started playing well. Uh, they, they finished this period and with a pretty big shot differential, I believe it was uh, 14 to eight. So they were getting things going on offense, getting some really solid chances off some uh, premier passing. I don't know if we've, seen better passing from this UMass team this season. It was really, really good to watch. And it pays off pretty quickly. Six minutes into the period, we see Taylor McCarr get a pass from Scott Morrow. He skates in and kind of just stuffs it on net and scores to make it one nothing. Taylor's been on fire lately. Yeah, he is he's definitely kind of gotten the 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 name of like a river hawk killer. Like that's kind of just been his motif in the past two seasons that he's been on the team. I think he got his first goal of the season last year against against uh, Lowell. I think he almost I think he almost had two in that game. Now that I think about it, but I think one of them got called back. But obviously the episode's not about last season. But um, yeah, he always shows up against Lowell. He he has their number, and it shows again here. It's another case of just amazing speed coming down off the wing. I think for a guy his size, his ability to get his legs moving, and his balance on the puck, you can't knock him off the puck. There's no way. Once he has a full head of steam going forward. The only way you're getting that puck off of him is if you force him wide and you force him like into the boards, basically like that's the only thing that's stopping this immovable object is another one, which is the boards. Like that's basically the only way you can slow him down. And yeah, he cuts inside, puts it on the backhand and basically just kind of flips it over the goalie's shoulder. I think he might've got a piece of it, but they all count either way. He got enough of the puck to, to get it past him. So that was absolutely huge. And he ended up actually drawing a penalty on that play as well. I think we'd come up on a, on a two minute power play after the goal scored, it might've been for a hook. Um, yep. Cause he had a guy draped on his back the whole time while he was making the move. Like I said, once he gets a full head of steam, you're not stopping him. I guess you got to penalize him instead to try and stop him. And even then that wasn't enough. So he was, he was definitely doing his thing on his play. And yeah, I think that was his fifth of the season. Really, really, really good play from him. Yeah, that was a hook. And that was UMass Lowell's only penalty of the night. Uh, it was a very blatant hook on, uh, what kind of would have been a not a breakaway, but a, a really good chance with not much in front of them on the rush. So um, UMass also looks incredible on this power play. Tons mm-hmm. of chances. They're passing the puck um, in an incredible way. Something we really haven't seen to this level this year. So it was it was awesome to watch. They don't end up converting, and they do they do take control of the rest of the period. That the period ends one nothing UMass. Uh, like I mentioned, the the shot differential. So. They just looked really, really good in this period. All things to get, all things told. Yeah, I, I really wanted to highlight this power play because again, only one of the game, but I think it was genuinely the best that we may have looked at any point this season, in my opinion. I think that was an extremely dominant power play, and I kind of, I saw like when you mentioned really, really good passing, I. I don't know who runs the power play on the UMass coaching staff currently, but I saw a lot of kind of comparisons and like ideas from Jacob Pritchard. Like there was a lot of just having the power or having the puck like low, like near the net kind of behind the net. And I forget who made the pass off the top of my head, but the puck was directly next to the net. And I saw this weird kind of pivot to like do a little backhand pass, like no look pass. He had no idea who he was passing to, but he was basically trying to do a cross crease pass and did this little spinorama backhand pass. And it looked something straight out of Pritchard's playbook back from, I think it was 2018. Like 
it was almost an identical play. And we had about three or four opportunities to shoot like and just have, we had a wide open net at multiple points on that power play. So we were looking absolutely unbelievable. And it is a damn shame that that was the only time we were able to see the power play operate like that, because as we have already discussed early on, this was our only power play opportunity of the game. And uh, yeah, the special teams definitely did play a pretty large portion, but yeah, we looked absolutely dominant and, and, you know, on that, on that power play. And it kind of led to just more and more momentum throughout the rest of the period. We looked amazing through that whole period. And I really thought we were going to get a second goal there. Yeah. And penalties, obviously the theme of this game, there were two from UMass in this period, one, about halfway through, Cal Keefuke on a hooking call. Uh, we never really saw the penalty, so it's kind of hard to comment. Um, didn't didn't look severe to us, but that's more of a whatever. We weren't really uh, watching very intently for penalties at that point. And then near the end of the first period, an interference call on Lautenbach. He had another interference call on the second, and we're not sure. Um, one of them definitely looked like the correct call, and one mm-hmm. of them definitely looked soft to us. We can't remember um, which one was which there's one in the first and one in the second so um, that's that but we moved to the second and UMass Lowell seems to get their legs under them a bit more they even up the shot total I think they won that period 17 to 13 in terms of shots um, looked like much more even game you kind of see the um, the play style of both of these teams which I think is pretty similar it's um, not too many high-end uh, big skill type players, but they both teams are coached pretty well fundamentally. You see that um, with the defense and with the the end to end play. It's pretty good, pretty good matchup that these two teams are. But um, on that Lautenbach interference call that I mentioned earlier it was near the end of the second period, and uh, UMass Lowell ends up getting their one goal of the game on that power play to make it one to one right near the end of the second. Yeah, and I mean, just just a comment before the goal. You said the shots were, what, 17 to 13? Like, that mm-hmm. just shows you how back and forth the game was in the second period. Like, it was very high octane. You know, again, like you said, not extremely skilled hockey per se, but just getting the puck in the zone, getting bodies in front of a net, and just really trying to just hack the puck in at any moment. And we kind of see it on this goal here. Like, it wasn't the most skilled of goals at all. Like, I think they just kind of get set up in the O-zone. They, they rip a shot that goes wide. It takes literally the worst possible bounce off of the backboards that I've ever seen in my life and just finds a, a, a lower player out in front. Admittedly, I personally would like to see Pav be a bit quicker to get back into position because I think this type of goal has happened a couple of times this season. We're just, I think, post to post. Pav, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking back on it right now. It just doesn't look like he was really just in a position to get back quick enough. I don't know. Like he didn't see the puck at all. It seemed like he was very, very well screened, but he was very far out of his net and he kind of got burned on it. He just couldn't really get back in time. It's a really, really unfortunate goal. And I think to an extent, I mean, again, it's a power play goal. There's really not a whole lot you can do to try and clear out the front of the net there, you know, because if you do that, you're leaving somebody else open. It's a really, really fine line that you have to try and uh, tread, you know, especially when you're on the penalty kill but it's, it's, it's kind of one minor mishap and it ends up being the, the game tying goal. Like admittedly, you know, we're going to talk about it in the next period too, but our, our penalty kill was extremely good all game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like having, when you have six freaking opportunities to, you know, put one in for Lowell and 
you only get it on one out of those six, your penalty kill is doing a damn good job, especially because we had multiple moments on the penalty kill where they had the puck in our zone for all two minutes and we couldn't even get a change. And they, we were still able to just hold on and hold on. Like Pav was playing his ass off. You know what I mean? He was doing his thing. So to have this be his one goal against, I don't think is the end of the world. I think he played absolutely unreal. I think a couple of minutes before this, he had a 10 bell save where he was just literally windmilling the puck out of the air. And I'm pretty sure he got hit, you know, maybe a, a, a second before he made the save. So I don't even think the goal would have counted, but his ability to just track the puck throughout this entire game was unbelievable up until this moment. Really unfortunate. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, it took a perfect bounce off the end boards in order to beat Pavisic last night. So showed how well he played. We'll talk about him more a little bit later, but yeah, you even mentioned he got hit on that uh, opportunity of making that nice windmill save an opportunity where UMass probably should have gone to the power play and they didn't. So um, it kind of just shows you the game that it was. That's how the second period ended one to one. And as we go to the third, um, just the, most frustrating period to watch UMass uh, got penalized all three of these penalties that we'll go through uh, in our opinion, awful calls, like not even, not even like, Hey, that's borderline awful calls. We get um, five minutes in Taylor McCarr on a tripping call. Um, it kind of seemed like the guy was going down before Taylor's stick was even there. It was yep. against the boards, kind of everybody digging at the puck. Um, you, you see that play all the time without it getting penalized. So um, that one in particular, very bad call. I don't even think that was the worst call of the period, in my opinion. But yeah, that was an extremely poor call. Um, I think he was almost right in front of the UMass bench when it happened, if I remember correctly. Like, it's just, I understand that, you know, you don't want your stick in and around that area, but he's making a play on the puck. And the, the guy was already losing an edge as he was like skating towards the puck up against the boards. Like, and, you know, we're going to talk about the other calls, too. Uh, you know, there were multiple cases of this almost exact scenario, and it, and it went, you know, against us, which, I mean, I, I think the best way I can describe it just over the course of the whole game was how the hell did we outshoot this team when we spent 12 minutes of the game on the penalty kill? That is over one-sixth of the game. That's about 20% of the game we played a man down. You know what I mean? Like, basically a whole half of a period. And we still were able to outshoot them and outchance them. Like, I don't understand how, like, we just didn't absolutely obliterate this. We outplayed them. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And that's why I'm so pissed off about the, like, just the way that this game went. I just think the the refs really inserted the, like, the booze in the building after, I don't remember if it was this Taylor call or if it was the next Bollinger call, but it literally it was the loudest that I heard the arena all game you know what I mean like just the booze were raining down and yeah the 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 calls were just so so bad and yeah we can talk about the next one now I'm sorry for going on my little diatribe as I tend to do yeah the next one was about halfway through the period so five minutes later Aaron Bollinger um, skates up on a guy who's lost an edge and who's already going down so uh, the hit on him looks a little bit high uh, but the guy was already going down and it wasn't a, a big hit by any means. And if you know, Aaron Bollinger, he's not the biggest guy. He's not, he's not knocking guys down from the top down like that. And they call him for boarding, even though uh, in my opinion, it looked like it was away from the boards. That just like an incredibly confusing penalty in, in all aspects. 
That's another case of the, the Lowell guy was already on his way down. Like they, I don't understand if they don't know how to skate. I don't know what it is. I don't know if the ice was bad or if they paid off the refs because at the end of the game, like the Lowell players were literally shaking the hand of the ref after the game. They might have had a 20 slipped in there. I don't know what the hell was going on. I could have paid the refs more. I was literally like, you know what I mean? It's like the hell are these players doing? It was absolutely ridiculous. And this, this was what, like this penalty right here was where we're thinking like, all right, holy shit. Like what's going on here? You know, it was just absolutely ridiculous. And I was just, really really starting to get upset with the way that this was going because we like you said earlier on in the episode like we could not get any offensive momentum at this point like we we were still getting really really good chances and again fair play to Lowell's goalie because even without the 12 minutes of penalty kill time throughout the game we were still absolutely peppering their goalie with high percentage looks and he did his job you know again fair play to, to the goalie there but just we did not deserve to be in this hole throughout, you know, a good chunk of the third period where we were really playing some of our best hockey, in my opinion. Yeah, you mentioned Lowell's goalie, Griggles. Uh, we predicted him to be the starter in our preview episode. He was fantastic. Uh, he was. Made some incredible saves. He got on uh, Sports Center top plays last night for one of them to pulled it right off the goal line. So uh, props to him for sure. He was incredible. Really kept them in this game. You mentioned the uh, the not getting not being able to get any momentum in the third. Uh, this the third penalty comes seven minutes after the second, so you could see all of them are spaced out pretty evenly. So it's hard to get that momentum going when you're dealing with this. This one was on Kenny Connors for slashing, and what we saw and what the replay showed was uh, an attempt at a stick lift, and because the wall player couldn't hang on to his stick, the stick went in the air. We've seen the exact play. Happened to Ryan Lautenbach earlier in this game. I believe it was in the second period. His stick went to the roof. Uh, no call, uh, as it should be. It's a stick lift. If you're not holding mm-hmm. on your stick hard enough, you deserve to get it knocked out of your hands like that. And they call a slashing penalty right near the end of the third. So um, that one might be the most blatant of the of the six that we get in this game. I'm gonna I'm gonna preface my little my little rant here with. I haven't studied the USA hockey like rule book. Like I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure on some of these calls, but I personally, in my years and years of watching hockey, both college and professional, I don't think I've ever seen a slashing call on an upward motion of the stick. Any, any time that there is contact with either a player or a stick or something where you're starting with your stick on the ground and you lift it upwards to try and make a play. That's always called a high stick. I've never seen a slash on that personally. Usually whenever I see a slash, it's always a downward chopping motion, whether it hits the hand, the stick. Like I've seen numerous slashes where you chop down on the stick and the stick breaks. Like that's fair. You're not supposed to do that. But if you flick it upwards and if you're a lower player that has weak ass wrists and you don't know how to hold on to a stick properly and you just limp wrist it the whole time and just let it go flying at any minor high stick that just happens to hit the puck, you're just going to be able to draw a penalty. Like, how, how, you might as well just throw your stick up in the air at that point and say, oh, well, the player touched it. So there you go. Clearly it's a slash. Like learn how to hold on to your freaking stick better, bro. Like the refs were just at this point, like that, I genuinely thought I was being pranked. Like I thought Ashton Kutcher was going to come out and be like, you've been punked, bro. Like this, this is it. Like, I don't understand how that's literally a call. Like you were hearing it all over Twitter. Everybody on UMass Twitter was absolutely rip shit at this point. Like saying that was the worst call that they've ever seen in their lives. 
we've we've I saw people posting on Twitter that said that they've refed hockey games before and they actually know the rule book and they said that that was a complete joke of a call. Like, so I know for a fact we are not, you know, going off the rails here and we're just going full homer mode. Like, it was genuinely some of the worst refereeing. Like, I don't think I've ever been that upset after a game. We like, I literally, this was not my proudest moment, but like, I literally ran over to the tunnels after the game. Like to scream at the refs, saying, "What the hell were you guys doing?" Like, I, we we were playing so well. Like that's why, like, all of my anger is not directed at the team whatsoever. Like, we deserve to win that game. We like the game, in my opinion, went basically as I expected it to. We were just full force offense the whole time, and I said I wasn't sure if the game was going to end five one or five four. Granted, the other goalie was standing on his head, and we had twelve minutes of penalty freaking killing time to take care of so it was just super super frustrating and I know that everybody else kind of like is sharing that same sentiment and it just knowing that we we really just we should have won that game you know what I mean like you play hard enough and you play well enough throughout that entire time and to have not even the other team it was the fucking referees that ripped it away from us is just the most frustrating thing that I just I, I thought I had a two hour drive last night to cool off and kind of, you know, get it, you know, get it out of my head. I woke up this morning so upset still. Like it's, I, I've lost the, I've lost the words to explain. I feel like I've said too much already, like super annoying. Yeah. You guys know us. We don't, we don't talk about this kind of thing very much at all on this podcast. That's how you kind of know it's uh, it's really eating at us. You um, mess was on the penalty kill for about 20% of regulation. And that's, that's a huge chunk to try to make up for. Um, and they still um, end up in regulation winning the shot totals, 37 to 36. Like you said, Gringles stand out, stood on his head. That's what really helped Lowell stay in this one. But we do go to overtime and not really an eventful overtime. We see it with the three on three, a lot of skating back into the neutral zone, stuff like that. Neither team got a clean shot off. So well, I was going to say, I, I wouldn't say that it was a very uneventful overtime. I think we had a couple of pretty decent opportunities where we were skating around in the, in the offensive zone. Like I think both Morrow and Ufko were able to kind of beat the guy that was covering them. And they basically walked it in towards the net. And I think at one point Ufko got tripped by the goalie, you know, where he tried to poke check the puck away and Ufko literally had to jump over him and fell on his face. So, I mean, in my opinion, that could have been a tripping call on the goalie right there. And then I'm pretty sure Morrow had another instance where he just skated right in and tried to put it on net. And it was another really, really good save by the goalie. So don't get me wrong. I think we had our chances to win there. And that was kind of a really annoying part was that, you know, we, we looked pretty damn decent in that overtime. I mean, I think both teams kind of had a couple of decent chances, but I don't even remember. There might have even been a post ringer at one point. I don't remember if that was correct or not but yeah so I didn't want to say that it was a completely uneventful overtime I think there was definitely some stuff to talk about there but really unfortunate that we couldn't get the job done but yeah now all of a sudden we can we can go to the shootout because there was no goal scored there sadly yeah not not uneventful uneventful in the in the shot column nobody was able to get one on net to uh challenge the goalie a little bit but we do go to the shootout something UMass has struggled in this year we've seen they haven't scored a shootout goal Kind of more of the same. We Lowell scores their first two opportunities. Second one really makes Pav look foolish. Great move, all things considered. And we see Mercury get the first shot, which was confused us a little bit. Uh, hasn't been a goal scorer this year like some of the other guys on the team. And Scott Morrow, 
for the second opportunity and he they both miss so uh, don't even get to see the full three shots of the shootout and UMass drops the extra hockey East point in this one that ends in a one one tie and it's and it's it's kind of more of the same which which really sucks I mean we talked about it during the Quinnipiac recap like I don't know what it is with us in shootouts man but it just again haven't scored a single attempt yet we've had eight opportunities and we in it it honestly translated into the game at, at points too like we've had a couple of you know I wouldn't say breakaways but like two-on-ones where the defenseman plays the pass again and we have a pretty open shot on net and we couldn't even put it on net I don't remember who took the shot it might have been Ryan Sullivan I don't remember I'm kind of throwing throwing darts here at the board and praying that something sticks but we've we've had opportunities and really really good you know like high speed just get the damn puck on net man you know like we haven't even been able to do that and it's it's super frustrating because regardless of you know I feel like this was the first shootout that actually sort of meant something like in the Quinnipiac game all right you ring a bell it would have been cool to win, but it doesn't mean anything standings wise. You know what I mean? It was just for a cool feel good moment to say that you won the AIC shootout earlier in the year meant genuinely nothing. There was no trophy on the line. There was no points on the line. Nothing mattered. This one, there was actual like standings implications on it. And it was frankly our worst outing. You know what I mean? Like we let in both, both shots immediately and we couldn't even, I don't even think either one of our opportunities were on net. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I understand, you know, Carvey's sentiments about, you know, shootouts not being a good way to decide games. And that's all well and good. I agree. But I think it gets to a point where you got to start practicing, practicing these things a little bit better and becoming more accustomed to these sorts of situations. Because regardless of it being in a shootout or not, these sorts of situations show up in games. And even then, it's, it's very tough to even you know, score, you know, even just an open play, you know, during regulation time of game. So mm-hmm. it's super annoying. I, at this point, I don't know if we've even seen Taylor McCarr take a shootout attempt yet. I'd rather see it. I want to see him just literally sprint. I want him to start where Pavisic is sitting in the back of the, of, in the back of the D zone, come in with a full head of steam and just start skating at the net at 25 miles an hour and just see what happens because he's genuinely been our most prolific, you know, two-on-one breakaway type guy just through his sheer speed alone you know he's been able to get it done so I, I want to see him you know if we do ever get another shootout attempt going forward I personally want to see him and see what he can do because it seems like he's been the only guy that's been able to convert on those sorts of opportunities as of late for what it's worth uh coach Carville has been trying different things we've seen different shooters each of the mm-hmm. three shootouts that we've had but you're right I think it's I think it is something to take seriously at this point because these have point implications. Hockey East standings are on the line. Uh, obviously not as important in non-conference games, but when you're playing the likes of Lowell, getting that extra point could mean the, a big difference. Could mean mm-hmm. a, a home or a road game in the Hockey East playoffs. So, like, something to take seriously. I'd like to see a solid three that we know are going to skate out there. Uh, I theorize, like, Connors, Lebster, and Morrow. Like, something like that. Uh just like, just like a solid three, so you you know what you're getting. Uh, three guys that can work on that maybe a little bit more than others yep. in practice and know that their name's going to get called for that. So um, I agree with Coach Carville. It is a dumb way to end a hockey game. It's not a hockey uh, like outcome, but uh, it is something that is here, and it's here to stay, and it's 
has implications. So needs to be taken seriously for sure. Yeah, it's just super weird to me. Like it almost seems like we straight up just draw straws on the bench and that's who goes. Like no shade to Lucas Mercury whatsoever. But like, I don't think that's his style of play. You know what I mean? I don't think I've seen him going on a single breakaway this season. You know, he's a big guy who plays smart in front of the net and he, you know, he plays for tips. He plays, you know, to be a big power forward type guy that plays in the corners. A skills competition like this, I don't think is very well suited to his style of play. I don't, I'm not saying he doesn't have hands. I'm not saying he doesn't have a scoring instinct, but like when you look at other guys on the team that have that sort of skill set that we've seen throughout the games that we've been watching, just, it just seems weird to me. You know what I mean? Like, I understand, you know, obviously the coaching staff sees something that we don't. They know these guys much better. They watch them practice. Maybe they do skills competitions in practice. Maybe he really impresses there and we have no idea about it. You know, there's a lot of things that could be at play here that we just simply don't know. And I don't want to make it sound like we have all the answers. You know what I mean? Again, two guys talking about a team that we love, but it's just a super weird situation overall, especially with something that it seems like you should kind of have just a very, very simple game plan going into it. Like you said, just have three guys that know what they're doing, you know, very high skilled guys, let them work. You know what I mean? Like if you, if you were to look at a shootout a couple of years ago, I feel like you would see guys like John Leonard, you know what I mean? Like every single time lethal shot, insane hands, you know, like you got to put Connors out there for that. Like he's our highest goal scorer. You got to put guys like Lebster out there. Like, I feel like if you're going with these, you know, granted, I literally just suggested that we put Taylor McCarr out there who, I mean, I guess is a fairly skilled guy at this point, you know, I guess, you know, I'm kind of stereotyping him for being a bigger guy, but like, I just feel like there has to be, like you said, a, a set of three guys that you just can trust in these sorts of situations and not just kind of pick whoever you want on a, on a day-to-day basis. At least that's how it seemed recently. Yeah. I, I think we, at the end of the day, we need something that's uh, somebody who's going to take a shot. That's not way wide or at the goalie's chest because of the eight, shootout opportunities that's what we've seen from every single one it's either wide or right at the goalie's chest which um, needs to be improved upon for sure yep uh all right anything else about this game before we hop into our awards no i think we can hop right in yeah just angry about the ref situation i don't think we'll talk about it much more but uh hockey it's hockey east so it's what you expect but they need to be better than that man we should have won that game absolutely ridiculous yep it's actually just kind of popped into my head it's kind of a trend we've seen uh specifically against umass lowell over the past couple seasons we had that one game at Songus center last year that was just a complete ref show um not might just be fully coincidence but lowell seems to be the opponent that we have a lot of difficulties with the the refereeing and Let's hop into the awards now. The first award that we like to give out is the CCC Carvel's Character and Compete Award. And for this game, it's going to go to Lucas Mercury. He, uh, he had an assist on that one goal in the first period on a nice pass. Um, we saw him block a ton of shots and kind of be all over the place. So we haven't really gotten the chance this year to highlight him much and as much as we have others. So uh, definitely want to give him stick taps for this game. He played really well all throughout the game yeah he, he kind of was doing all the little things and I mean I think earlier on in the season I would say that I was not extremely impressed with his kind of just overall play I feel like he, he played fine but he never really kind of I don't want to say took over a game but just like he wasn't really that noticeable and and I feel like he was definitely noteworthy this game I mean I'm looking at you know he was five five out of ten for for face-offs you know he split it 50-50 right down the middle 
that's fine. You know what I mean? It's not like he was losing them at a great clip. So, I mean, that's, you know, a very, very decent effort from him in the faceoff dot. But like you said, his shot blocking was immense. He was just being a very, very big body. I think he played very well down low when we were in the ozone. Um, just really, really good balance on the puck. He was digging the puck out of the corners, making really smart plays. I think his hand-eye coordination was very, very solid. So he he was playing his kind of power forward, you know, type role very, very well. And like you said, I mean, he set up uh, Taylor McCarr for the goal. So I think overall it was just a very, very solid performance out of him, and it was definitely worth uh, highlighting. Yeah, absolutely. Congrats to Lucas Mercury. I believe that's his first of the season. So that's I cool. believe so. Yeah. Um, all right. The next award that we give out is the Good Try UMass Award. Somebody who uh, we'd like to see some improvements on for the next game. And for this one, a little bit tough. We thought the team played really well, uh, but we're going to give it to Ryan Lautenbach. He had two penalties. One of them seemed soft. One of them was totally legit. Um, we normally love the aggression that he plays with and the speed he plays with, but every once in a while you see it translate into penalties. And uh, some, sometimes you might think it's a little bit too aggressive. So he's the one guy that had two penalties in this game. So kind of grasping at straws a little bit, but maybe maybe he could just be a little bit more careful with his aggression going forward. Yeah, I genuinely don't think anybody played particularly bad. That was like extremely, like there was nobody that like really just popped out in our head immediately thinking like, all right, yeah, he played kind of crappy. You know, like we can just kind of say he deserves it this week. But yeah, I mean, I think Lautenbach kind of had a, he had a couple of really, really good opportunities shooting wise. I think it was in the first two periods. Um, they were almost put on a plate for him. I think he was in on the power play for a little bit on the sole power play opportunity that we had throughout the entire game. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, figure it out, refs, you dicks. But uh, yeah, you know, it was super unfortunate that he couldn't put those away. I think he had a couple of really good opportunities that one forced a very, very solid save out of the goalie, but I think you have to be able to convert those. You just got to be a bit more efficient, you know, with your opportunities. Um complete and utter kind of side note. I don't even think we, we talked about it before this thing, but I wanted to mention Owen Murray as a potential kind of just like side award for this. Like he had a really, really bad turnover. I think it was in the second or the third period. Uh, I think it was in the third period that basically mm-hmm. led to a lower breakaway that Pavs stuffed. I think that's kind of really noteworthy. I think that was one of the, the really, really bad defensive breakdowns of the game. He, I think he tried to go D to D with the pass and, he just kind of fumbled it a little bit and went directly to the Lowell player that cut it out. So if, if we want to talk about really, really bad individual plays, I think that's one that we can kind of highlight a little bit, but yeah, I think on the whole, you know, getting two penalties, one of which was a, a pretty, you know, it was an accurate call by the refs. You know, I know it's a shocker that we're going to actually say that the refs did something correct for once, but uh, yeah, I think, I think Lautenbach still at the end of the day played, you know, holistically a, a little worse, un- unfortunate to say. Yeah, if Wool had scored off that Owen Murray turnover, he definitely would have been in this spot. But uh, yeah. he was able to get bailed out by Pavisic and kept the game tied in the third. So no harm, no foul, I guess. So uh, yeah, just need to see need to see less penalties overall from this team. But Lautenbach, uh, just specifically in this game, uh, was a little bit tough. All right, so now over to our custom awards. Evan, what is the first award that you are going to give? Yeah, no, I'm I'm giving this one to uh to Scott Morrow. Um, a little bit frustrated with his sort of just well, I'll I'll preface it with with the name of the award. I'm calling it the this ain't a skills competition award, and I think it's just because like I can think of three very recent examples in just the past two games alone 
where he's been in on a breakaway. It might only be two examples. I might be misremembering one of them, but for he had in the Quinnipiac game at least one breakaway where he was able to, you know, he he had a solid two to three seconds with the puck in and alone to, you know, make a move and try and score. He defaulted to this weird in between the legs kind of shot. Didn't even get it on net. He skied it over the net. Like, come on. Like if you're going to, if you're going to make a really, really, you know, highlight level play like that, put it on net and at least give yourself the opportunity to score. And he did the exact same thing in the shootout attempt tonight, like, or last night where he just had all the time in the world. He was doing this weird, like body shielding thing where he tries to put it really, really far back on his backhand to try and like bait the goalie out that way. And then do this weird in between the legs thing. He's already done it two to three times in the past two games. Like that's pretty damn telegraphed. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not even like you can really, say good job to the goalie for recognizing that and like making a save because again he didn't even put the freaking shot on net like it went over the net again dude like if you're going to practice that move and you're going to attempt to do it in a game environment at least you know i don't know maybe maybe he was absolutely killing it with this attempt in practice and everybody's like dude you got to do that in a game like you clearly have this this ability mastered at this point but like if we we know how skilled scotty morrow is we know what he can do. We've seen it over the past season and a half now. He's a very skilled guy with a lot of tricks up his sleeve, but it doesn't mean anything if they're super cool-looking moves and you can't actually score on them. Like, you just got to be more efficient with the chances that you're given. And, you know, I'd understand if he got absolutely robbed by the goalie off of a really, really, you know, good forehand, backhand move that, you know, would have beaten the goalie clean and he just makes an insane save. Fair enough. I can't be mad about that. But if you're going to pull some crazy trick shot, you know, BS that you think is going to make some crazy sports center top 10 play and you can't even get the damn puck on that. What the hell is the point? You know, I just, I don't know if it's a sense of like cockiness. And again, I don't want to just completely roast Scotty Moore. The dude's infinitely better than I will ever be at the game of hockey. But like, I don't think that just completely removes your name from the, the concept of criticism. You know, I think you just need to be, a smarter player in, in that moment. I just think you really need to smarten up and know your limits to, 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 an, uh, to an extent. Like, it's super frustrating, especially when there's points on the line there. And you, we, at that point, we needed a goal, you know, like to, 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 to stay alive in the shootout. And if that's our, you know, our attempt at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a bit upsetting from a fan's perspective. Yeah, when we saw that second attempt at the shootout from Lowell, that player basically juked Luke Pavisic out of his jock strap. Yeah. Something like that. We know Scott Morrow has the hands for that. You don't have to make it too complicated in those situations. Mm-hmm. Just go go forehand, backhand enough times, and you'll have the goalie out on his stomach, and then you could wrap it around. Exactly. Uh, it, it doesn't require that much that much skill on those breakaway attempts. It'd be cool if it goes in, obviously, but like you said, it's been a trend now, and we we really just need something on net in those situations. We yep. can't keep having the puck go over the net. So, uh, good award. My custom award is going to be called the Best Friend Award, and it is going to the post behind Luke Pavisic. Um, we saw last night three separate instances of uh, Lowell ringing the post behind Pavisic in loud ping. So, definitely Pav's best friend last night. But I also wanted to use this award as an opportunity to talk about Pavisic because um, just not because of those uh, those post ringers behind him. Aside from those, he played really, really well. It took the weird deflection off the end boards to for Lowell to be able to score on him. And outside of that, he had 36 saves, I believe. He was 
phenomenal. Um, a couple that windmill one you talked about, a couple more highlight reels. He's kind of all over the place. So really, really good outing from him that kind of gets overshadowed by everything else that happened. But I, I wanted to talk about him a little bit for sure. Yeah, the, the game was an absolute goalie battle. Like, I don't want to use this cuss more to talk about the other team's goalie because we've already discussed him. But, like, both goalies were just going toe-to-toe. It was – honestly, I'm a pretty big goalie guy. Like, anytime I watch any sort of sport, I love watching the goalies. They're a bit weird, kind of like me. You know, I just think it's really cool. And, uh, yeah, I just think it was just a really, really, really solid goalie game from from both parties. And Pavisic really was doing his thing. You know, post, post you know, obviously helping him out. He's giving a little pat on the – pat on the side after the game I could definitely understand that but yeah it's just it sucks that that a performance that good couldn't translate into a W you know like I don't want to just completely say like oh the refs screwed us like we also had opportunities to win the game we had a lot of opportunities that you know were either stonewalled by the other team's goalie or they went wide or you know we can blame a million things but clearly the refs did not help but it it certainly was was tough on Babistich because I think he had what, like 34 shots against or something to that effect, 34, 35, somewhere in the mid 30s, I think. Yeah, I think it was either 36 or 37, actually. It probably was. Yeah, I'm trying to, I couldn't pull it up in time because I'm yeah, really bad. 30, 36 shots against 35 saves. That's what I'm saying, dude. Like that, regardless of whether you win or lose, that's an elite performance. You know what I mean? Like if he can do that every night, we're, we're in an opportunity to win genuinely every game that we play. And it was super unfortunate that it didn't translate to, both a regulation win or an overtime like shootout win you know it, it really sucks for him because he really just it always seemed like he was in the right position you know in you know obviously the one goal against the side you can't be perfect you can't expect perfection like that's that's a really really tough thing to try and expect out of a goalie but yeah he he was playing out of his out of his mind and I really hope that that can continue because I don't want to use this award as an opportunity to bring up kind of like the weird goalie situation that we have right now. But like, if, you know, if whatever, you know, if something were to happen and he doesn't put up this amazing sort of performance, I don't even know who our second string goalie is because Cole Brady has been listed as the third stringer, like on our, on our line sheets. Like it's just, it's a super weird situation. So I'm really hoping that uh Pavisic keeps up this amazing level of performance because he's obviously a great goalie and he showcased it tonight. Yeah, and this is the performance that we get the game following Coach Carvel's announcement that Pavisic is the guy going forward. Yeah. So uh, he gets that little little nod from Coach, and he performs really well. So that's really good to see in all aspects. Um, before we go, I just wanted to um, I wanted to really emphasize how well UMass actually played in this game. You said yeah. uh, it's normally you get what you deserve. They didn't get what they deserve today, but. Uh, I thought it was really, really good performance from UMass to battle adversity with the penalty calls. Penalty kill was very strong to to stay in this game, even with the um, incredible goaltending on the Lowell side. They just, uh, I mean, it was difficult to even pick a good try UMass award given everybody's individual play. So just all around, the team played really well, and I'm really happy to see that level of play following the um, – the friendship four in which they also showed it. It seems like it's becoming a trend now and this team finally, finally back where we want it to be. Oh yeah. I mean, I have half a mind to give the good try award to the freaking reps. You know what I mean? Like that's how bad they screwed us. Like I really think if we had even just remotely even refereeing where they called it, you know, three to four penalties for either team. And it was a, a fair, I think we, we win that game three, four to one, in my opinion, like just, 
the the ability to go into the third period one to one and we I think we're out chancing the hell out of Lowell and the fact that we now had to deal with six minutes of penalty kill time throughout the course of just one period like what what are we doing here you know what I'm like that is I'm trying to do I'm trying to reduce the fraction of 30 percent of that period you know what I mean that we're spending on the penalty kill that's like what the hell man you know we and th- those were on very undeserved penalties like I understand, you know, the refs have a job to do. And, you know, if they're going to call penalties, at least have them be legitimate penalties. I don't think a single one of those three penalties in the third period were even remotely close to being fair. So, I mean, that was just super unfortunate that, you know, we, we play, in my opinion, some of our better hockey of the entire year. You know, I think the, the past three games that we've played, quite frankly, have all been very, very good. I think we've bounced back from the losing streak tremendously. And the fact that, the, the three games that we play extremely well in have only technically led to one win is super unfortunate. You know, like this is frankly some of the best hockey we've played of the season so far. And we're one zero and two in that stretch. Like that you could throw, really you could throw the UNH game in there. Make it that is true. Yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that is fair. Yeah. 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 I, why am I completely? Yeah. We're on, we're, we're playing a really good four, four games right now. I don't know why the UNH, to be fair, I'm still a little salty about the whole not getting my ticket refunded thing from them due to COVID. <laughs> but so I don't even want to think about UNH right now. But yeah, no, that's a really good point. We've actually had a really, really solid four games. And uh, I think, you know, again, to be now 2 0 and 2, I should say. Thank you for the correction. You know, that's it's it, just seeing those, those two ties really stings. You know, the Quinnipiac one, fair enough. Even though now at this point, we've gotten a couple messages and we talked to some fans at the game last night or at least I was before when I was in line before you showed up at the game cam. Uh, I was talking to, to our good pal, Paul, and uh, he was saying that the puck on the second Quinnipiac goal was kicked in. And I actually, I checked, I checked the replay. It's extremely close. It's one of those really weird subjective calls. Um, I could totally see them calling it back and I could also see them letting it go. So, I mean, I think in a weird alternate dimension where you don't kick that one goal in, you know, in the Quinnipiac game, and then you don't get this, referee paying off scandal by hockey east and you know umass lowell i think we we could have had four wins in this in the stretch of four games right here you know i don't want to play this weird revision game but i i really genuinely think that we deserve much more than we've gotten in this past four game you know undefeated streak you know if if we want to call it that yeah i agree with you i think the last four games easily could be uh four and oh record for umass it's just kind of some puck luck some bad refereeing but uh so that's what you get in hockey sometimes. You got to live with it. It is what it is. We just need UMass to continue this level of play going forward. It's been really good to watch. Certainly. All right. So I believe that is everything we have for you. Um, quick turnaround for UMass. They're going to play Merrimack at home on Wednesday. So we will shortly have the preview out for you guys. Um, the vlogs from our Europe trip are going to start to come out this week. So uh, that should be a really fun watch. We put a lot of effort into those really recorded just about everything from our seven days over in Europe. So those will be fun to watch. Uh, We'll have the arena review for SSE arena in Belfast coming soon. Not sure where we'll fit that in with the weird midweek game coming up, but um, it'll happen at in the next, at least at the very uh, most next couple weeks. So a lot of, a lot of content from us coming out. Hope you guys, Keep following us along. Um, we saw our first high character apparel merch in the wild at Mullen Center. 
uh, on Saturday night, which was awesome to see. Uh, definitely a cool gift for a big UMass hockey fan that you might know for Christmas websites, highcharacter.myshopify.com if you want to check that out. So uh, yeah, we got a lot going on. Uh, it seems like this winter break is for the hockey team is coming at a pretty good time. So um, yeah, that's everything from us. Again, thank you guys for listening. Quick turnaround. Be sure to tune in for Wednesday's game for sure. Go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody. And screw referees Brad LeBlanc and Jeffrey Miller. He's dropping names. I'm, I'm doing it. It's deserved. <laughs>